You got your Bibles? You ready? You're not going to go to sleep this morning. You're not having here to have a dose this morning. You're here to be awakened. I've been trying to get a title for this and I've given up. You'll have to work one out. Okay. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to look at a portion of Scripture, a well-known portion of Scripture, and see how we fit into it. Okay. John chapter 20. All right, Carol? Yep. <coughs> Wednesday evening, half past seven, Carol. You can't hide away in this church, I want to tell you. You, uh, you can try, but you won't succeed. Amen. We love you to bits, even Carol. <laughs> All right, Carol? John chapter 20. Verse 30. <coughs> and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. John chapter 20, verse 30, Carol. Keep an eye on her, Kathy. Okay. In other words, not everything that's written, he did more than what is written. And he's going to do more than what is written. Because that's his nature. But these are written, these events that took place around where in John chapter 20, and we're going to come into one in a minute, have a purpose. They are written that you, you and me, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The per reason he came was to give you and me life. Yeah. Challenge is, do you believe? Well, of course I do. Of course I, of course I always believe. No, no, no. Everything that happens to you is a challenge on whether you'll believe or not. Every circumstance that you go through is a challenge to believe that he is the Christ, the risen one, the resurrected one. Everything that you and I go through is to prove to us that the resurrection life of Jesus Christ is real. Because if it's not, you know your salvation hangs on his resurrection? If he wasn't resurrected, that would have been it. Everything, our salvation, our future hope, our future destiny in him hangs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. And he ever lives. Never again will he see death. Never again will he see the things that he had to endure as well. Never again because of the resurrection. I want to tell you, the resurrection is the most powerful thing this world has ever 
seen or happened. The creation of the world is nothing compared to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. There is nothing. The power of the nuclear bombs in the last war that you know, wiped out Japan's cities and hundreds. It's nothing. That's power, but that power is nothing compared to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that power has been put in you and me. I'm going to have to work hard here this morning. You're right, Carol? I'm going to have to work a little bit harder here this morning because this is not going down. There's something dead in this meeting this morning and I'm not enduring it. I'm not having it because there is power in this meeting. The enemy of your soul, your character as well, wants just a nice easy road because it's cold outside. It's better than being at home because the heat in here is free. Well, I'm telling you something. I'm not wasting an hour of my life without getting excited about Jesus Christ and his resurrection power. So let's move on. Sat on the front row. You're asking for it this morning. (laughs) John Chandy of 21, well-known story. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Open your eyes, because you won't see what Jesus is doing and the way in which he's doing it. This year is a sign. There's going to be signs all around you that are for you to believe again. Simon Peter Thomas called Didymus, one of Ken Dodd's men. <laughs> Nathaniel of Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were two others are not named. That means me and you. All right, that's me and you in there, okay? Because we're going to get in a boat this morning and we're going for a boat ride. All right? Okay. Wendy loves boat rides. She used to get seasick on the Tall Point Ferry. Okay, where do we get to? Simon Peter said to them, he said to this motley crew of disciples who are no longer believing in the resurrection, who are no longer believing the words that Jesus said, Simon Peter, good job. There's always someone who'll speak up, put their foot in it. Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We're going with you. Nothing else to do. We're disappointed. This Jesus can't work that one out. We'll go back fishing. Yeah, we'll go with you. Just we'll spend the morning or the night fishing. Yeah, we can do that. We'll have enough food to keep us going for a couple of days. Yeah, that's logical. No, it's not. But it's a logical step that we take. We all at times go back 
to what we were comfortable with. We slip back into what we want to do because we do not understand what Jesus has done. Well, when morning it can now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Right, Cal? Good. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. I want to tell you something. You can be that close to Jesus and not even know it. When you came in this morning, Jesus was already here by the Holy Spirit. You can be that close and yet still stay the same way. This story has incredible relevance for our attitude, what we believe. Okay? Let's go on then. Then they said, then Jesus said to them, children, I love that. All right, if you're going to behave like children, I'll treat you as children. Because in our understanding, we, at times, we are no better than children. You teach children, little children, no? It's hilarious sometimes, isn't it? What they think and what they do. and that, Yeah, I've seen pictures of it. I was never a young child. I was born like this. <laughs> Jesus says to his disciples... What I love about Jesus is he always goes for the juggler. You don't mess around. You either accept what he says or he'll correct you. Children. When you act like kids, I'll treat you as children. So Jesus says to them, children, I love this. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Have you got any food? He knows they got nothing. He knows. But he's got to get you and me to admit we've got nothing. Not so easy. Have you got any food? And they answered him, no. Ever have one of them from somebody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I'm not. I'm just looking at the platform, dear. <laughs> you got any food? No. You see, the way you talk reflects what's going on in here. Because from the, the heart speaks through the mouth. Nope. How are you doing today? All right. No, you're not. You're lying. Don't come in here and say you're all right if you're not all right. Say I'm not all right and we do something about it. We'll punch you. On the, uh, we'll pray. Pray. That's the word. Not pray. I knew it began with P. We'll pray. We'll pray for you. We will punch prayer into you. Digging. Have you any? They said no. 
he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. The miraculous thing is this, they did it. They did it. We're not talking about people here with a fishing rod on the barbican. We're talking here, professional fishermen. They did it. And you will find some. So they cast. There they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. He blew their minds away. He's called them children. Now, now, he's going to do something so miraculous that they're going to catch the biggest catch of fish. Because we'll look at that bit in a minute. This isn't an average catch. This is the biggest catch of large fish. Large, large fish. Because you're left with two choices then. Do I follow Jesus or do I keep fishing? Because I've just earned a lot of money. This haul of fish, haul, this catch of fish, is going to feed or I can sell them and make a lot of money. It's very clever the way he sets you up and sets me up at times and allows us to make the choice. Anyway, they couldn't get it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, that's John, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, put on his coat, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, now about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. They're not going to let go of this net. Tells me there's still something in them that values the fish above the presence of Jesus. Excuse me. But they brought the fish in anyway. Then as soon as they came to land, they saw a fire of, of coals there. Watch this, look. And fish laid on the fire. He didn't take a fish out of the net. He already had fish cooking. I love that. I love that. I love coming home and Wendy's been cooking. I love it. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Bring some of what you've done. Bring that to me, and I'll use it. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. That's in direct contrast to the previous experience that they'd had before when they were out fishing and the net was breaking, and they had to call in other boats to get the fish into land. Okay. 
We'll touch on that maybe in a minute. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Hey, love it. Love it. I'll tell you, one thing I love is a McDonald's breakfast. Well, I take away breakfast, shouldn't advertise. I do. I, I, it's the only... I got careful now because I could be... I, I'm not keen on takeaway food, but it's that particular breakfast really gets me. I love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> so I love it. I can't help it. I just love it. <laughs> Simon Peter went up and dragged the large, large fish, not broken. Then Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They're afraid. They know who it is. They know who he is. But they, they are embarrassed because they're children. They're children. They're acting like children. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. It's the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples that he was raised from the dead. The whole purpose of that portion of scripture was to prove to them that he is still the resurrection. We forget what we go through that there is resurrection power waiting for us. Okay. I love this portion of Scripture. I preached it many times. And I probably decided to preach it at least once a year. And I believe it's a good time to preach it this morning. When we turn our back on Jesus. Well, I never do that. I never turn my back, but I just don't believe at times. You're turning your back on him. When you don't believe what he has said, you're turning your back on him. You're denying him. His, he will do everything to turn you back to himself. I love it because it proves to me that he will never let us go. They were disappointed. They were disillusioned. He had promised many things, and he'd actually promised them that he would rise again, but they didn't get it. So their reaction is just like you and me. We're no different. When we don't believe what Jesus says to us, what he speaks over us and into us, when we don't believe it, we're actually denying that power. That's how serious it is. But he doesn't give up on us. 
Such is the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? He's determined. In fact, he said to Peter, he said to Simon, when the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. He said, Simon, when the cock crows previously to his crucifixion, he said, Simon, you're going to deny me three times. Simon, no, 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 not me, Lord. No, I'm ready to go to the, I'm ready to die for you. No, he said, but I have prayed for you. And this is the little element of what we forget. He said, I'm going to pray for you. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. He speaks something which Simon has not yet experienced. And then he goes on to say, Peter, he changes from Simon I know it was Simon Peter, but he changes from Simon to Peter in the same sentence, that when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Simon, you're going to react like this, naturally in the flesh. Peter, you're going to catch something of my spirit and strength so that you can go and strengthen your brethren. Changes the names there. He's given you, you are not Matthew. You're not. He's given you a new name. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. That means that we are different to who we think we are. You know, you, when you try to quit... Well, you don't even have to quit. You just turn up. <coughs> just turning up here on a Sunday morning and going through the motions is really quitting. It's a form of quitting. But it influences other people. You know, it's very difficult to sit beside somebody in a meeting like this who are really going after Jesus, it gets you right up here. One last. And there Doesn't it? When you're in this kind of mood, doesn't it irritate you? No? You haven't thought about it? Okay, I'll pray for you. We influence, because Peter says, I'm going fishing, he takes the rest of the motley crew with him. Birds of a feather. You see, sometimes you don't even have to say something, you just follow in the wrong way. Well, Rob said, and Rob did so-and-so. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. Oh, 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 oh. So, I'm not keen on Rob anymore. That's just Wendy. <laughs> Carefully, you follow him. 
if you do your own thing because it's what you're used to doing and comfortable with, you're going to end up in failure. Guaranteed. If it's not God's will for your life and it's not to turn back, you're going to end in failure. But failure, when God takes failure, he turns it around for good. That's the good news. Okay. Once you've tasted the best food, you don't want takeaways, do you? No. I'm not getting much response here this morning. I think I'll stand out and get some takeaways. Once you've tasted takeaways, which is better, a roast dinner or takeaway? Which is better, mash and sausage or a takeaway? Mash and sausage with a bit of onion and gravy. Oh! Which is better? An Ivor Judney's or a bar yeah, Barnikoff's or advertising, sorry. They're lovely, aren't they? We, 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 we bring them home, froze them and stick them in the freezer and cook them up. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Absolutely lovely. Yeah. Ah, oh, Barney. You ever had Barney quality? They're lovely, aren't they? Brilliant. Okay. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they say, No. But what they don't realize is they're one step away from a miracle. One step away from a miracle. There are going to be times when you come in here and you're one step away from a miracle. But you've got to respond. I guarantee... It's not a criticism, it's an observation that there should have been more people at the front there this morning than were at the front. One step away from a miracle. A short distance. There's a short distance between success and failure. There's a short distance between receiving what God has got for you and not. It's your prerogative. They were just one catch away from a miracle. You are and I am one look away from your destiny. They failed to identify the figure on the beach. They were blinded by their confusion and disillusionment and disappointment. 
It's very easy to be blinded by any of those factors and more. You can't see Jesus. So it doesn't make, when you can't see Jesus in the resurrection of Jesus, it's very difficult then to believe his word. Because words are about relationship. They come out of relationship. They speak into relationship. Yet they were only one look away. Because by the time they got to the beach, they knew who he was. But they were afraid to speak to him and acknowledge him. realize disappointment affects your emotions big time big time it also goes beyond that because it robs you of your destiny disappointment disillusionment can rob you of your destiny and you just go the, through the motions. Through the motions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I still believe in you. No, you don't. No, you don't. You've got to nail it. When disappointment kicks, and it will kick in in your life, that's not the issue. The issue is to pull down thoughts, and images that create in your mind to the knowledge of God. What does God say about that thought I've been thinking? Well, I don't do that very often. So used to thinking what I think. Well, you've got to learn to pull it down. You learn to get hold of it and say, yes, my emotions are like this, negative. But, but, but in there, but it's not what God says about me. It's not who I am in Jesus. So which way do we go? Well, it depends how strong your emotions are. You know how to weaken your emotions? Defeat them a few times. And you'll do it quicker. Start saying no sometimes to yourself. No, I, I, that's how I'm feeling, but I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Because when I get like that, I affect other people. And people don't want to be around me because I'm a right misery. I've stopped sending out pity party invitations. Nobody come anyway. I had a whole party laid on. Cake, buns, all laid out. Come to my pity party. I'm glad nobody did turn up. I've got to say to myself, look, you can say it to me and I'll 
get offended probably. We do, don't we? You know, try living with Wendy. No, don't, that's not an, that's not an, an invitation. I'll tell you, she'll turn to me at times and she'll say, get out of it. Or words to that effect. Depends whether she's in the message or the new King James Version. Come on, you do it, Terry. That's what we actually love about Terry because he says it as it is. And he doesn't care about your reality. He loves you enough to risk your relationship with him when he says it. But he means it because he's proved it. Get over it is his favorite one. So what? You're going to get over it. I don't want to. I don't don't deserve this. Get over it. Hebrews tells us what to do. Says this fix your eyes. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay. That, in effect, whatever it is I'm going through, takes me out of the picture. Because he started my faith. I didn't choose him. He chose me. He called you You didn't call him. It felt like you did, but you didn't, Carol. He chose you. So let me ask you a question. Theologically, can Jesus get it wrong? It's an important answer. Some are sat there going, I'm not speaking up. I might be wrong. Chris. Theologically, Chris, can Jesus get it wrong? No. Then why do we say to ourselves, he did get it wrong? I don't know why he chose me. I'm no good. I messed up again. Messed up. I tell you, the guy that come in, I wish you were here to hear his testimony. He said, I still haven't cracked it, but I'm going on with Jesus. It's not how many times you get it wrong. It's how many times you get up from getting it wrong. Dust yourself up, down. Lift your head up. Your royalty, Carol. Your royalty. You're going to be in Wednesday night, aren't you? Half past seven. <laughs> royalty, lift your head. Oh, I'm no good. 
Pray for me, Rob. No, lift your head up. You're not going to pray for me. No. I remember saying that to somebody who thought I was the worst in the world. Said, lift your head up. Until you lift your head up, I'm not going to pray for you. Because you, you just want sympathy. And you're not going to get sympathy from me. You get compassion, but you won't get sympathy. Jesus didn't have sympathy upon you, Mary. He had compassion. The big difference. Because compassion says, I'm going to speak this into you because I love you. And it will build you back up again. Sympathy says, you're right about Rob, he is a pain. <laughs> Sympathy always wants to agree with your emotions. Jesus wants you to agree with his word. It's a big difference. This year, well, the word fixer, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, and perfecter, not just finisher, it does mean finisher, but it, in the version, the, the New King James Version, it's perfecter of your faith. I love that better. Because he's perfecting my faith. Oh, that's good news, isn't it, Dave? Yeah. Don't complain when you go through something because it's perfecting your faith. I want him to perfect my faith without going through anything negative. It's what I go through that builds my faith or not. I want to tell you something. When you decide again, I'm going to believe this word again. Tried it, I'm miserable without that. Because that word is a seed that's been put inside you by the Holy Spirit and it's trying to grow. It's trying to grow. It wants to grow. It wants to be fed. It wants to mature within you, that word. It's the seed of God. God's word is seed. It, it's a bit like Sarah. If she gets any bigger, she'll explode. That seed, the purpose of that seed was to grow. The Word of God, when the Word comes to you from God, it is seed, it has impregnated you, and it's designed to grow. But it's what we go through that perfects it, makes it purpose, that Perfect. I don't like what I go through. I'm not saying that. But I've got to go through it. If that's the route that God has laid out for me, I've got to go through it. But he's perfecting my faith. And he will keep me while I go through it. That the seed of the word that is within me is his prerogative to guard and scripture we use very often is this. And we bandy it about. His word will never turn to return to him void. It will accomplish that which he has sent it to accomplish. 
Yeah, I believe that till I go through something. That's the challenge on that word. These guys in this, they're on a beach and fishing all night, doing what they know they can do and do it well, get nothing. Almost impossible. That is almost impossible on that lake at that time to catch no fish with professional fishermen. God intended it that way. That it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And my spirit has been put inside you that will water and groom and feed that seed of my word. Because the spirit and the word work together. They work together. I want to tell you this year, some of you have had words spoken over you, right words spoken over you, and not yet seen it. I'm telling you, it's growing. It's growing. That word cannot stay stagnant unless you want it to stay stagnant. Because his word never returns to him empty. It will always accomplish that which he sent it to accomplish. Let me ask you the final question. Does God tease you? Are you nodding, Helen? Does God tease you? Tease, tease. He does teach us. You're right to nod on that. I was going to say, you better get back there quick, brother. Get back there in that back row. Does God tease you? Does he dangle something in front of you and say, i got no intention of letting you, but I'm enjoying baiting you? Does he? Sometimes it feels like it. If I'm honest, but he doesn't do it. My impatience, my lack of faith is what makes me feel like that. I want it now. I want it now. But you just might be in a boat that's heading back to the beach and Jesus is waiting for you with a meal. He's waiting to fulfill that dream. The dream is still alive if you'll believe him. And if you don't, he'll never let you go anyway. And he'll keep reminding you. People like me will get right up your nose. Not because I want to, because what I say, the Holy Spirit will take and do that. <laughs> Not a good expression, but <laughs> he's got to get you to believe again. This is the year, I believe, 
that we are going to see. And along the way, you're going to see signs. You're going to see signs that God is honoring his word to us. We're going to feast this year on the goodness of God in the presence of our enemies. That's not just the enemy. That's my mind. And everything that, all the rubbish that comes into my mind at times. We're going to feast as we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This year. And then next year. Because it never ends. But he's got to get our attention first. I want you to be very brave now and honest. How many people here are holding? Oh, no, I won't say holding. How many people here have known God speak to them and promise something which has not yet come to pass? That's exciting. That is exciting. That is exciting. Did you put your hand up, Dale? Yeah. God's not slack concerning his promises. You're in here today because he wants to remind you of what he's already spoken over you. He wants to bring it to the very front of you. The very right in front of you. And he wants you to say, I am not going to let this go. I will not let this go. You've got a sign here this morning already. Certain young ladies sat there who refused to let go of the promise of God when there was impossible.
I'm saying this because it's your destiny that's at stake. That promise, God is still honoring. He hasn't moved away from it. And it will fulfill what he's promised it will fulfill. As long as you don't go back fishing. And even if you do, it'll be painful, but he'll pull you back again. And he'll remind you again of the promise. And unless you embrace it, fix your eyes on it. Because when you look at the promise, you're looking into Jesus. He is the promise. He's the promise maker and he's the promise keeper. He will not let you go. And it will achieve that which it is sent to achieve. I can't make it happen. I can only point out what I believe the Holy Spirit is directing this church into this year. I can't make it happen, but I know the one who can. And I know the promise keeper and the promise maker. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. not over yet I'm going to go you're going through some stuff again but it's not over don't let it define your destiny it's a hindrance so get out of the way in Jesus name get out of the way start speaking to yourself as you really mean it Carol Come on, we've got to wake up. Every moment that we are together, there is a commanded blessing where brothers and sisters dwell in unity and that's not, I get on with you. We're in unity because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There's a commanded blessing. Wow. I want to live in a commanded blessing. There. That doesn't mean life is wonderful. That means I rise above it. I rise above it. I go through it more than a conqueror. Hang on to your promise. You're just one step away. You're one look away. You're one word away from the fulfillment of it. Don't give up. Don't give up because it's not over. Amen? Amen? You still love me? Ish? Okay. I can live with ish. I believe this. 
This morning, I believe heaven is agreeing with what's been said here. Because if heaven doesn't agree with what's been said here, it's all rubbish. I believe heaven is agreeing that the promises of God have to come to pass. But I'm not on my own. When whatever happened to you happened, it was because heaven was in agreement with you. Wow. Wow. We fix our eyes on what happens on the earth. Now, look up. Look up. I got heaven on my side. When I believe the word of God, heaven backs me up. Oh, I'm going to stop. I can't stop. Oh, I love it. Heaven on my side? No, on mine. On mine. He loves me more than he loves you. Don't ever say you're lonely. You might feel lonely, but don't ever say it. Because you're never lonely. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit living within you. Yeah, I know you've got to battle through it sometimes, but it's true. You can't be lonely. I'm going to stop. Do you want to say something? I'm not asking you to. I mean, do you feel you want to say something? Um, I want to say something. I think I've got a title for your message. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think failure isn't final. Where's Dave? Failure isn't final. And I want us to hear that. That let's just stand to our feet. We're coming to a close. I love I love to compliment the, the with the three of us with Wendy, because Wendy said something the other week where she's believing it's a time where we're being grown up. Do you remember saying that? And I believe that that is a season for us that at the moment we're in a place where Jesus is growing us up. And that's not a thing where you say, oh, just grow up, will you, type of thing. It's a, it's a place where the actual verse after what Rob brought last week was where it said that faith is like a mustard seed. And the seed that, again, has been sown into our hearts this morning, this mustard seed, it says that it grew. The smallest seed, just the smallest sign, just the smallest thing that God says, hey, this little thing is going to grow. That was the purpose. It's to grow us. And that's what I believe, that we're in a season of being grown up. And, and I heard this this week, that I love this, because it fits in with, with what Rob has brought. That it says, don't live in a victim lifestyle. Don't live a victim lifestyle. But if you live as though greater is he that is within you, than that which happened to you, your life will be changed. 
if you live as though greater is he within you, when you live like that, then greater than that which happened to you. You won't live in a victim lifestyle. The disciples could have said, hey, we're living in a victim lifestyle. Everything's happened. But when they live like greater is he that is within you, it will change your life. Your identity is not in that which happened to you, but in what Jesus did for you. Do you hear that? And that, I think, kind of encapsulates everything that you said this morning, that failure isn't final. Failure isn't final, but things are going to come to birth. (laughs) Things are going to come to birth. Let's lift our hands, if you can. This morning, Jesus, we're just grateful for your word. That, Lord, we're grateful that greater is he that is within me and within you than is he that is in the world that tries to discourage us, that tries to rob us, that tries to steal from us. But, Lord, we pray today and we're so thankful that we have a God who is greater. Can you say that this morning? He is greater than the works and the schemes of the enemy. And Lord, today we say that it's time to grow up. It's time to be grown up, to see you, Jesus, rightly in the place that you are. That Lord, it's not about my feelings. It's not about what's happened to me, but it's saying that, Lord, greater are you than that which has happened. And Lord, we believe that as a church, as we go forward, Lord, it's a time for growth. It's a time to be fed. It's a time to feast. It's a time to feed on the fruit of your word. And we're thankful today, Jesus. We're thankful that greater is he within me than that which has happened to me. Lord, we're no longer going to live in a victim lifestyle. That yes, Lord, there is a time to to grieve. There is a time to say it's difficult. There is a time, but there comes a time when Jesus says, hey, come on. Come on, life is too short. Life's too short to play the victim. Because I've got greater things for you. I've got growth for you. I've got goodness for you to live in the goodness of God in the land of the living. So Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Failure isn't final. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do on Wednesday night, Lord. That, Lord, we're expectant that this this man, Eric, is going to speak to your church for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Amen? Amen.